Did you know that gravity can help us understand the effects of climate change? Well, water has mass, and when it moves around the surface of the Earth, those movements are recorded as tiny fluctuations in the gravity field. I'm Meg Rosenberg, and today's podcast is all about GRACE, the Gravity Recovery and Climate Experiment, a very special satellite mission that's mapping these subtle and ever-shifting differences in gravity to weigh the ocean and tell us what's going on with our global water cycle, glacial melting, and sea level rise. When an apple falls from a tree, it starts from rest and accelerates under gravity, achieving a certain velocity before reaching the ground and maybe clonking someone in the head. That acceleration is pretty straightforward, but if you repeated the experiment all over the Earth, you'd find very small differences. Some apples would gain a little more velocity over the same distance, and others a little less. Gravity isn't the same everywhere. And what's more, it's not even constant over time. And they never tell you that that's an average value. They just say it's 9.810000. Hui Ying-wen is an aerospace engineer at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and I caught up with her in nearby Old Town, Pasadena. But everyone knows that stuff on the Earth does not stay in the same place everywhere. Stuff moves around. There are tides, tectonic plate motions, volcanoes. The Earth is a dynamic place. So because mass is not distributed the same way all around the Earth, and because mass moves around, you can sort of figure out that Gravity is not the same everywhere. Wen is the deputy manager of the science data system for the GRACE follow-on mission, a successor to the original GRACE, which launched in 2002 and will soon reach the end of its mission. While she concedes that you could measure Earth's gravity field by dropping apples all over the world, or by precisely measuring the swing of a pendulum bob, she knows a thing or two about a better way of doing it. So you send any object in orbit around a big body, a planet, you know, Earth or the moon, and its orbit will be affected at every instant by what the instantaneous value of the gravity is at that point. So let's say if you, you know, lob a rock over the Earth with enough velocity so that it keeps orbiting it, if you're able to track the acceleration that that rock feels over every instant of its orbit around the Earth, then you've pretty much got a map of the gravity along that orbit. Those same differences in gravity that we want to measure are already constantly tugging on everything we send up there. So if you can somehow measure the strength and location of all of those tugs, then the spacecraft itself becomes a measuring device. Every single orbiting mission, every single spacecraft or satellite that orbits the Earth can also serve as a gravity mapping mission. Observing how a single spacecraft is pushed and pulled along its orbit is, for example, how we derive gravity maps of distant planets like Mars and Mercury. In principle, any cable satellite can measure the Earth's gravity field in the same way, but that doesn't mean it's really cut out to do it well. That's where GRACE comes in. Carmen Booning, a research scientist at JPL, explains what makes this mission so good at measuring gravity. This satellite mission consists of two satellites, that are in the same orbit following each other. And so what the measurement is, is they measure the distance between each other and how this distance changes. The two identical spacecraft chase each other around the globe, maintaining a separation distance of about 200 kilometers. As they pass over variations in the local gravity field, first one, then the other, this distance stretches and contracts a little bit. So for example, when one satellite approaches 
a mass, then it will get attracted. And while the other one doesn't see it yet, the distance between the two satellites increases. And then the second satellite follows and also sees that mass anomaly and gets attracted. So the distance decreases again, and then the other one passes and sees less of that gravity signal. So the distance increases again. And so by measuring these distance changes, you can say something about the the gravity anomalies on Earth. These are minuscule differences on the order of 10 microns, a fraction of the width of a human hair. But they're big enough to detect by sending beams of microwaves between the two spacecraft, says Wen. Okay, so there are two satellites, and each one sends a continuous signal to the other. And so then each satellite measures the difference in the phase of its own signal and the signal that it's getting from the other satellite. That's how both satellites are measuring the really tiny separation changes between them. As the distance between the two spacecraft increases, for example, the path length that the microwave radiation has to travel increases too. And that means that the electromagnetic waves will reach the other side of the gap at a different point in their waveform, a different phase. So what you have to do is you have to measure really, really accurately how much the separation distance between the two of them changes. And from that, you can see how the gravitational field has affected the path. And that's not the only thing you have to measure. You have to measure the acceleration experienced by each of those spacecraft by itself. And then you have to measure really accurately its position. So that's why it also um, communicates with GPS satellites around the globe. So the same way that GPS helps you figure out where your car is, it helps us figure out where Grace is like really precisely. Once you collect all those pieces of information for every point all over the Earth, you can solve for the global gravity field. Even better, you can derive the underlying mass distribution that generates the gravity field, that pushes on grace, that changes the separation distance that you can measure. We're kind of working backwards here. We know where it is, how fast it was going, and its acceleration. And from that, we work out how strong or weak the gravity must be along its path in order for the spacecraft to move that way. From those gravity fields, you work out a map of the mass distribution around the Earth. So it's backwards detective work. And voila, after a considerable array of corrections for clock errors, missing data points, and relativistic effects, we've arrived at the quantity we're interested in, mass, and where it is and isn't all around the planet. The next step is to determine how that mass distribution is changing over time with respect to the geoid, the background gravity field that Grace has been recording for the past 13 years. Gravity is not constant over time, it's actually changing, and that is because there's a lot of water mass on Earth, and that is changing over time. So for example, you have precipitation, you have the ice sheets melting, and some of it refreezing, you have rivers running into the ocean that are getting fed by the precipitation and so on and so forth, and that has a gravity signal. But water isn't the only thing moving around and changing the mass distribution, so you have to be careful. The solid body of the Earth is itself constantly deforming. Continents that were loaded with glaciers during the last ice age are bouncing back now that they're gone. And tectonic plates collide and override each other, creating a mass anomaly that Grace can detect. And there are shorter-term variations, like tides. Oh, did you know that there are water tides, but there are also solid earth tides? 
That's right, the solid body of the Earth responds to the gravitational pull of the Moon and the Sun, raising the surface by as much as half a meter at the equator. Once all of these non-water-related mass movements have been accounted for, you can say something about how much water mass is in the oceans, locked up in glaciers, or on land, at any given time. To convert this into an equivalent water height, which is useful, say, for estimating sea level rise, there's one more distinction that you have to make. So what sea level rise is, is you either warm the ocean and it expands, or you add more water to the ocean, which can happen when the ice sheets melt, or if there's more precipitation versus less precipitation over the oceans. Like the mercury in your thermometer, water expands or contracts a little bit depending on the temperature, so a warmer ocean will take up more space than a colder one. This effect can be estimated using data from other satellites that measure the height of the actual sea surface and its temperature. Combined with GRACE data, we have a way of seeing how water levels are changing from month to month everywhere on Earth. So you can basically, with GRACE, weigh the entire ocean and see if there's more water over time or less water over time and how it evolves. And when it comes to sea level rise, what Grace sees is pretty clear. We do see a trend currently because the ice sheets are contributing and constantly putting water into the ocean. Worldwide, sea level has been rising steadily by about 3 millimeters per year. But in 2010 and 2011, a surprising thing happened. In 2010-2011, there was a drop in global mean sea level. Satellite measurements of the sea surface showed a sudden decrease. What was going on? Could it be that sea level had actually stopped rising? Climate change deniers rejoiced, and scientists scratched their heads. Grace kept collecting data to weigh the world's water, and in the years following, Booning and her colleagues analyzed the gravity measurements and got to the bottom of the mystery. And then we looked at our satellite observations from GRACE, and we do have some uh, oceanic measurements of the temperature, and we found that there was actually, during that time, there was less water in the ocean. So if there's less water in the ocean, it must go somewhere. And with GRACE, we not only measure the ocean, but also, of course, land, so we can basically track down where the water went. And what we found is that a lot of the water ended up in Australia, for example, in northern uh, South America. During that same time, a La Nina event caused it to rain twice as much as usual over Australia. And that water, captured in interior basins, took a long time to evaporate and return to the ocean as rain. So you have more water on the continent at the time. But then what that also tells us is that it's also bound to end up at one point back into the ocean, that's why we were able to say this going down of sea level, that's not a trend. It's not like sea level is not rising anymore, but actually there was this natural variability that was mainly caused by a very strong La Nina that uh, was happening during that year. Mystery solved, thanks to Grace. Unfortunately, these results also mean that sea level rise hasn't slowed, and climate change isn't a thing of the past. Now more than ever, we have the tools to sort out what's going on with our planet, our only home in the cosmos. Luckily, the Earth itself leaves us clues, subtle signatures of change in its gravity field, and with the help of missions like GRACE and GRACE follow-on, we're learning to read them. 
If you'd like to learn more about GRACE, GRACE follow-on, and gravity anomalies, please visit our website at physicsbuzz.physicscentral.com. I'm Meg Rosenberg, and thank you for listening to the Physics Central Podcast. Thank you.